Hi there, I'm Katie Carr. I'm an author, business coach, mum, and most recently, a kayaker. You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. So welcome listeners for springtime episode. We're talking to Katie Carr. This episode I've entitled The Adventurer um, and we'll hear more on that and have a conversation with Katie about what that label may or may not mean um, in her role as a, a, a mum doing lots of other things with her life. The reason I invited Katie on today is that I noted that Katie is due to publish a book um, which is called Moderate Becoming Good Later, Sea Kayaking, The Shipping Forecast. Katie's work for this book is based on the adventures of her late brother, Toby, and it's the book that he hoped he would have had time to complete. I've had a sneak preview of it, and I hope that you all will want to read it after this conversation with Katie today. So over to Katie. Katie. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, lots of energy. <laughs> and um, for our listeners' benefit, you're sat in your studio in Barcelona, aren't you, with a, a painting of the sea behind you? <laughs> I am, yeah. My studio that is uh, conveniently located across the road from my house uh, so that I can take the kids to school and get the maximum amount of work and things in at the same time. <laughs> maximum efficiency in your life there Katie I like it and you have two boys is that correct I do I've got two boys Llorenz and Max Llorenz is six and Max is nearly four okay fantastic oh well very similar I've got a five-year-old boy um so one in the middle so I know all about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Katie obviously this podcast is called Mother of All Solutions and we very much focus on mums and how they navigate work whether that's after maternity leave or through changes in their lives or career transitions or just general working motherhood mm -hmm. so I'm really interested to learn more about you um, but to get into that conversation and um, my introduction and my way of learning and getting to know you was through the book and thank you so much for giving me a little um sneak preview before publication date. Um, so tell us more about the book. It's called Moderate Becoming Good Later, Sea Kayaking the Shipping Forecast. Um, can you tell listeners a little bit more about what's in it and how you've written that? What's the, the sort of the journey and the story of it? Yeah, sure. It's basically the story of the last five years of my brother's life. My brother Toby was an architect and sea kayaker and he knew from an early age that he would have a shortened life. Unfortunately, he was born with something called Fanconi anemia. And he knew from about 12 that he would probably only live to be 30. Um, thanks to advances in medicine in that time, he lived to be 40. Uh, but still, that's a shortened life. And I think as part of that, he tried to squeeze in as many things as possible into his life. And one of those things was attempting to sea kayak in all areas of the shipping forecast. Um, many of your listeners will probably be aware of the shipping forecast. It's essentially the maritime weather forecast around the sea areas of the United Kingdom, which stretches from southeast Iceland in the north down to Trafalgar in the south, which is the south of Portugal, and over into the east to touch all of the 
side of Western Europe and, and on the West out to the, the sort of very rough seas of Ireland. And um, so Toby had decided to do this. He, he decided to do it partly because our other brother, Marcus, who also had Fanconi anemia, died in 2017. And we were, well, all of us really were facing our grief on that, even though we knew that this would come about. He died of cancer. It was a long one. Um, and essentially, Toby decided to see kayak in the shipping forecast. I'd just gone through having my first child. So I'd had a massive change in my life already, but Toby started this project. And the book is all about that project. So it's about the essentially the best years of his life where he went on this massive adventure around Europe and um, kayaked in all these different amazing places. And it's not a book about sea kayaking, which is handy because... Um, I'm not, well, I wasn't a sea kayaker when I wrote it <laughs> and I only finished writing it in January and January was the first time that I went out in a sea kayak. So I literally finished the book and then went out in a sea kayak. So it's not a book for kayakers. It's a book about life and loss and discovery and adventure, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so that was a bit of a long introduction, I think. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's perfect, Katie. And I also felt when I read it, um, it was also a book about friendship. I mean, there's so mm. much about the people that Toby met and learned from and enjoyed life with and you as a family as well. And I know you obviously completed the book and wrote the end of the story for like based on Toby's notes and blog posts yeah. and all the things he'd kept about what he was up to. Um, but that friendship factor came in really strongly for me anyhow. I don't know if you were yeah. conscious of that when you were writing it and yeah. So yeah, uh, two things here. So yeah, the friendship and connection is something that's hugely important for Toby and, and for me as well, really. And especially at a time when there's a lot of disconnection with our friends across the seas, um, it's really a time to think, well, why is that there when really we're human and we do have this connection? And Toby found lots of human connections with fellow kayakers and with other people that he just sort of came across on this journey. And it is about friendship. I think sometimes when you think of a book about a, a man that goes on an adventure, there are plenty of ones about men and men and his dog, his house, or I don't know, his car, <laughs> whatever, uh, that goes on an adventure. You think it's a very solitary thing. Um, and there are moments of reflection and there are moments where he really used it to kind of process this grief he was carrying. But yeah. a lot of it is also about reaching out and making friends and being with people and, and finding that enjoyment. Yeah. On the other side, I think you just said that that I finished the book. I actually kind of wrote the whole thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's a weird thing because it's written in first person in my brother's uh, voice, which mm. is kind of confusing for people, I think. I know. <laughs> but <laughs> this was this is what he he would have wanted. And when I started writing it, he'd written three chapters of the book. Um, when I started writing it, I, I looked at it and went, I can't write this in third person. This is yeah. something that's a real personal journey. It needs to be in first person. It needs to be in his voice. Yeah. And I found all of his notes. He had literally hundreds and hundreds of notes, um, both handwritten notes and uh, voice recordings and little notes on his phone when he was sitting on a train or wherever. Um, just so, min so much information that I realized that I could do this, that I could reflect not just mm -hmm. what he did and how he did it, but also why he did it and what it looked like and how it felt at the time. And with that information, I could put the story together. 
I mean, it's amazing what you've achieved, Katie. And I mean, it's amazing what Toby achieved. I mean, the, the, the context of going on that adventure and navigating the shipping forecast routes as a sea kayaker just seems completely on another level for me. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I am not, I would definitely not label myself as an adventurer. And I was like listening, well, not listening, sorry, reading, thinking, yeah, as you said, it's not a sea kayaking story it's a kind of story of all the resilience that he needed all the preparation and the planning and all the people he met and the being in nature and connecting with nature on a broader general sense as well as the you know the techniques of navigating the seas yeah um so it's 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 fascinating it's 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 great well done to you and thank you uh, <laughs> and piecing it together and as you say Toby was an architect which is how I knew of Toby I hadn't seen him for a long time and um, but you know that note taking that research that you could I mean I personally could sort of imagine him yeah. sketching and recording well, well, and analyzing and yeah. there are some nice diagrams of what the sea was doing in certain places <laughs> which are definitely from an architecture background yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and it, it's it's great and I'm so pleased you've found the strength to put it out there and do that mm. Katie so credit to you um now let's hear a little bit more about you learning the sea kayaking because yeah. I think there was a a bit towards the end of the book and maybe we'll get you to read a, a little section as well and I'm paraphrasing here um but you talked about Toby leaving you an unfinished book and an unfinished adventure yes so you're now <laughs> taking on the adventure so tell us more about that Katie yeah I am um I guess I was first of all focused on sorting his stuff out which is quite a lot of things to do and then I wrote the book and then by the time I'd finished writing the book, as you say about all this connection with nature and this being outside and adventure, I thought, oh, I'd quite like to do that, you know. <laughs> and lo and behold, there's an adventure that hasn't been finished. Toby kayaked in 16, 17 different areas of the shipping forecast. There are 31 in total, I believe. And so there are quite a few left over for me. There are four of those areas that don't touch land, which means that they're pretty difficult to do in a sea kayak and especially for someone who's a beginner. So I'm just going to ignore those. Yeah. Um, Wise. But mm. <laughs> yes, but there are 10 others. And so I'm focusing on completing those 10. Now, my way of doing it is going to be extremely different to Toby's. Toby would kayak extremely long distances. For example, he kayaked from Santander all the way to Porto, which is right around the top corner of Spain and Portugal. Um, and that's 700 kilometers. He did that over three weeks. I'm not going to do anything like that. Um, at the moment, the furthest I've kayaked in one day is about, I think, 13 kilometers. And that was with a lot of tidal help. So um, it would be very slow for me to do it that way. And plus, I've got a family. So what I'm trying to do is to figure out ways of balancing that, um, either by doing shorter trips and just being out for a day, exploring somewhere really nice in that area and then coming back and dealing with my kids or by bringing them with me um, or by having a bit of a break and leaving them with my partner, um, which he's uh, a bit of a, a, bit, a bit of a long suffering thing because he had to deal with me doing the book and then now I'm doing the adventure. Um, but I was pretty good when I was doing the book. I think actually um, sometimes school runs and the structure that you have as a parent can be 
quite helpful in mm. writing something because I found that you, they take the bus at eight in the morning. By eight in the morning, I'm starting writing. I'd do eight till two writing and then I'd have lunch and then I'd sort of go back and look at what I'd done and then go and pick them up and have that big break in the evening. Well, break, looking after them, doing something different. And if I didn't have them, I think that I would probably just work all the time and yeah. then it wouldn't be very sustainable. So that's that sort of on the writing side, which you didn't ask me about. And I've no, it's interesting. Anyway. You wear many um, hats, Katie. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the kayaking side, it's um, it's been about keeping it simple so far. Um, thinking about where are the areas? So these are big sea areas, um, which are touching the land. Basically, uh, Toby has left me Wales, Scotland and Ireland and the northeast of England. Uh, so all the cold and wet places. <laughs> all, the, all the best places, I yeah. would have to say. <laughs> I think, well, for me, actually, it's been wonderful. I was just in Wales last week and mm. it was so nice to be somewhere that's so green because I'm, I'm here in Spain and, you know, Spain isn't totally sunny all the time but it's certainly not as green as Ireland or Wales and um, it was really exciting to be able to go to this quite different environment and we had wonderful weather as well so it kind of helped. <laughs> mm. I know your pictures looked great and I know at the end we'll recommend following you on all the socials but your pictures of Wales looked looked fantastic and um, so you've just finished the Wales leg um, and as you say you weren't a sea kayaker but as kids and from the me reading the the proof of the book yeah um, you did have a connection to sailing and as kids you went out on the water didn't you and had yeah. mini adventures and mm. so I think we were we were really lucky in a way that our dad well both of our parents actually were really into sailing dinghy sailing when they got married and then they stopped for a while for obvious reasons and my dad somehow when we were all quite young managed to convince my mum that it was a really good idea to buy a small boat a sailing boat and this was about um, seven meters long a catamaran my dad used to call it a floating caravan. So it wasn't like a yacht, right? <laughs> it definitely wasn't posh sailing. It was muddy, wet, Practical. windy, mm. cold sailing. Okay. Um, and we used to keep it on the East Coast. But it was great because it, it meant that we were out adventuring. And maybe that was yeah. just going up the river um, and sleeping on the boat and then going back. And then sometimes we would go over in the summer, we'd go to France and we'd sail over to the Netherlands or um, Belgium. And I just Amazing. remember this being kind of part of life and not really realizing that people didn't grow up like that. Yeah. We were also lucky that we lived in a small village and that was very freeing as well. We grew up running around the countryside essentially and yeah. quite free to have our own adventures. Yeah. Um, and the shipping forecast was part of that as well. So mm. we would listen to the shipping forecast on the boat as something useful for us to be able to see whether we should go out or not or go out of the river into another river or whatever. But we'd also listen to it when we're at home in Rutland, which is mm. almost as far from the sea as you can get, <laughs> just because my dad used to turn it up and listen to it. And so he it's, liked it. Yeah, he loved mm. it. And it's, it's certainly something that's part of our, our family heritage, I guess, in a way. Mm. And um, actually, when I was doing the book, our editor, Ross, he when he started um, working with me, he, he didn't really know the shipping forecast, or at least he said, I don't really know the shipping forecast. Now, I don't know whether that was a ploy to make me really explain things very clearly in the book so that anybody who doesn't know it will get some really good factoids about the shipping forecast through reading the book, 
or whether he actually didn't know the shipping forecast. But mm-hmm. I, I remember getting off the call with him going, how can you not know what the shipping forecast I mean, is? I, I had very basic knowledge of it. I think I knew it existed, but you know, my family is not seafaring in any way, shape or form. And professionally, I've not kind of come across it. So I think it was great that the book really set the detail. You know, it wasn't, you know, a, a kid's book. It's definitely a book for adults. But it was, yeah, it really brought you into that and the culture of people who care about the waters and the land connection and I yeah I, it, it just really came through that way and your your childhood boat your caravan yeah. <laughs> hullabaloo. I hullabaloo. Loved, yeah. hullabaloo I loved um, we, it, it was good well. except mm. that we had to learn how to do the international calling for that mm. so it was really long it's hotel uniform lima lima alpha bravo alpha lima lima oscar oscar <laughs> And you're like, could it not just been called Sam? Or <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of my son. I've got one son called Llorenz, which is a Catalan name, which is um, Lawrence, which is quite long. And my other son's called Max. Oh. And Max is just like, oh, I can write my name. Look at me. I can write my name. I'm only three and a half. And you're like, yeah, it's really easy. <laughs> and any country in the world can get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but jumping back to the adventuring, um, yeah, I know also then, you had a connection with your auntie and uncle at times yeah. when things were maybe tough for you as a family would say, let's get out in nature and yeah. take you out and so encourage my, that. Mm. My aunt and uncle, Nikki and Kevin, they live in Jersey and they've been adventurers their whole lives. Uh, this is why when you say you, you put adventurer on the title of the podcast, I'm like, oh my God, compared with them, I'm <laughs> I'm nothing. Um, I'm really just kind of a beginner, like a baby adventurer. Um, but they've been, they've been doing that for years and they certainly have just been around uh, helping us, just being involved and especially kind of standing. I, I always kind of half imagine them standing on a slipway with a kayak going, come on, let's go. Um, just, you know, trying to encourage us. And it was actually a, a little bit of conversation with my aunt that encouraged me to to just do it. I think mm-hmm. partly that just doing it is something that we were brought up with. Our dad, Mike, was very much about, okay, if you want to do something, do it. And Toby yeah. then reiterated that a lot that, you know, if you want to do it, do it. Don't, mess about don't yeah. stand you know our grandma as well she would be like don't stand on the shoreline going oh shall I go in for a swim shall I not no just jump in and then yeah. you can get out and do something else if you don't want to do it yeah, um yeah. so sensible. Mm. so I guess mm. all of that family background is there and my aunt and uncle are obviously the ones that are still around and they're still there going yeah do it it sounds good yeah. uh, I'll come up to Scotland with you and and help you do it not not in a way of um I guess I should say that it's important not to take on adventures without thinking them through a little bit, without having that flexibility to go, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this properly, or I'm going to go with someone who knows how to do it properly. I'm not going to take unnecessary risks. I think especially when you've got kids, you realize that you want to make sure you stay alive, right? Um, I was thinking that the other day, I I got in the kayak in Wales and within sort of 15 minutes of being in it, I was upside down in a cave and it was the first time I'd capsized in real life. Uh, You know, I'd I'd done some practice in a swimming pool and I was like, oh, thank goodness I've done that. I don't feel upset about it. I just feel like, oh, that's normal. I'll just pull the spray deck, hold on to it, hold on to the, and get myself sorted out. And, But you've got to take a responsibility there as well, I guess. So yeah. it's kind Having of a balance. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, yeah, and I know that. Yeah, I tell you what. Let's let's hear a little bit from the book, Katie, because um, I do want to pick up on all those conversations around adventuring as a parent. Mm-hmm. But before we move on to that, let's let's hear a weeny bit, if you don't mind, picking a little. Sure. Um, I'd I'd actually picked one right at the end when I was sort of saying about what it's like to to write the story. So this isn't part of Toby's adventure. This is really what I've called the challenge, which is my challenge. Um, And so I just say there's no greater responsibility than telling someone else's story, especially when they're no longer around to correct it. This is not something I've taken lightly. When Toby died, he'd written the book proposal with a clear outline and three chapters. We'd talked about the book at length, but he never asked me to finish it for him. He was pretty sure he'd managed that himself. Leafing through his notebooks the week after he died, he was so clear that he wanted his story to be told that I emailed the editors and asked them not to cancel the publication. I would finish it. And so you have. And yes. <laughs> I am sure he would be proud. So it's great that you took on that challenge. I mean... It's fantastic. Do you feel proud? Are you glad it's it's out there for well it's I'm, almost yeah. out there. Almost out there. I'm really glad. It's actually it's a weird time at the moment because I'm really glad I've written it. It seems like it, I wrote it quite a while ago because like I said it, it, I finished it I guess in January then there were a few extra edits and things but um so it's there. It's kind of lying there and not that many people have read it and I'm sort of waiting for this tsunami of, okay, do we like it? Do we not like it? Um, But I'm trying to remember that even if people don't like it, which I hope won't be the case, uh, I did it. And I think that this was something that I could do for Toby at a time when there's very little you can do for someone, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of his legacy in a way. And more than that, it's finishing a project, particularly the book, it's finishing a project that he started that he was so excited about when he got the publication deal, but also knew that it would be very tough to do because he got the publication deal right at the end in um, sort of, I think he signed the contract in November and he died in January. So he didn't have much time to to get it done, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, to to organise it. And Mm. well, it's great that you've, you've done that. Tell us more about preparing for it. As you say, you couldn't just take it on lightly. You couldn't just finish this UK leg of the shipping forecast with two two boys who are young, um, mm. lightly. You know, you had to plan, you had to prepare. You obviously have prior commitments. You live in Barcelona. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot, lot to do. Um, and whilst I was learning a bit about the book, I saw you had this fantastic Instagram post that I just thought was so inspirational. And it was linked to Toby because I think he'd said something nice to you on International Women's Day. Mm. And then you on that particular International Women's Day were like, yeah, like, what stops a lot of women adventuring? And you're like, well, it has to be motherhood. And yeah, in every context, but in a, a lot of situations, it, it, it will be. Um, I loved that post. I have to say, I've got it screenshotted. I'm going to keep it on my phone forever. Um, I wouldn't call myself an adventurer. And as you've said, you're kind of the baby adventurer, learning <laughs> and processing. So I wondered if you could say a little bit more about the balance of time and mindset and your thoughts on adventuring as a as a parent. Yeah, I think for me, it's, I mean, well, it probably is for everybody. It's difficult partly due to feeling of guilt 
um, in that you feel like you should be with your kids all the time and leaving them with your partner for a week uh, or for an evening even is is kind of a tough thing to do. And I think that's something that happens a lot more to women than it does to men. I know it happens to some men as well, but this feeling of, okay, I should be doing this, so I can't go and do whatever else. And that often stops us doing things before we even start, when actually, if we talk about it with our partner or if we just think about it, you're like, well, it's not that much, is it? And um, so I think we need to try and overcome that and that's not for me it hasn't been just oh now I don't feel guilty anymore it's been okay well I'm going to do this anyway even though I do feel guilty about it um and then making the absolute most of the time that you have when you're away from them and hoping also that when you come back that's an example to set them as well this idea that okay we don't always have to do everything together all the time we can each have our own interests and each do our own things and we'll be more interesting and better for it yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and we can do stuff together as well so um in terms of the trip i've planned it so it's going to take me 2 years to do it i mean not two full years. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, I've got all the cold and wet areas. So I I don't really want to be doing that in winter uh, for the obvious reason of trying not to kill myself while I'm doing it. (laughs) There are really big seas in those places. So I think I just need to take it easy. And also, you know, I'd quite like to enjoy it rather than it being kind of a grueling journey. So um, I've essentially split it into two halves what I'm doing this year, what I'm doing next year. And then within those, looking first of all at the sea areas, big chunks, where would be nice to go kayaking? And then how can I fit that in with what might later become another book or certainly the story of how this might develop? So I need to do them in an order that makes sense. Um, I can't sort of skip between one area and the other because otherwise it's not going to make sense if I want to record it somehow afterwards um and yeah I'd love it to be a second book but we're still we're still talking about that I have to do the proposal and all of this so um basically what I decided to do Toby finished in Lundy which is uh North Cornwall for him but Lundy goes all the way up the coast of Cornwall up to into Bristol into that U that sort of v-shape uh up round to the corner of Wales to St David's Head and then across to Ireland so it's quite a big chunk his challenge was never to kayak the entire coast of the shipping forecast. It was yeah. about finding nice places and experiencing it in different ways. So more sort of yeah. quantity rather than quality. Although, like I said, he yeah. did kayak the entire coast of some of the areas. So I've just sort of looked at where would be interesting to paddle. How can I set that up working with people who know the area or who've got experience there, who are paddle coaches, um, who you know, most of them have the British canoeing qualifications and things like that so that they can actually basically rescue me if I need rescuing and give me a bit of coaching because I'm learning along the way as well. I've been doing some training here in the Costa Brava, um, just up from Barcelona. And there's some really great skills that I've been learning in that. But you essentially with like with anything, you get the skills by using them and by, by actually experiencing different sea conditions. And 
in order to experience more difficult conditions, you need to have someone with you, or I certainly do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, sort of setting up these these areas where I might like to go, people who I might like to do them with, and then kind of blocking them in my calendar. So what I did for this year was go, okay, well, I'm going to go over launch in Bristol because I went to uni in Bristol. Oh, great. I've got some friends there, some good friends of Toby's there, and yeah. they helped me sort out this first launch, which I did in early March with the um, Avon Outdoor Pursuits Club. And then came back, just went back now in May to Wales to do a bit more of Lundy and uh, that part of Pembrokeshire and then up into um, North Wales to Anglesey, which is an Irish sea. And at the end of that, I put the kayak on the ferry, which sounds Ah, a lot easier than it really was. But anyway, (laughs) wheeling it on there, some certain issues with hire cars and Brexit and I had to leave the hire car parked, take the kayak off the car wheel it onto the ferry me and the kayak went onto the uh onto the ferry and then uh got off in ireland and it's currently in storage in ireland ready for the next bit which i'll do with the kids so so far i haven't done it with the kids now we're we're all going to take the ferry from uh bilbao in spain to roslaire in ireland and we're going to be three weeks in ireland um during which I hope to go out seven or eight times. And I've still got to sort all of this out because I've I've got to figure out who might be able to help me. I know where I want to be at each time, but who I want to, who would like Katie, to help me. This is like, you know, putting a normal family holiday completely <laughs> in perspective here. Like, so. Well, we, like, we have, yeah, this may be an absolute nightmare, to be honest. And I have to admit, right, this is a, super this, exciting. Sounds this super is, exciting bit of a mum's secret well it's not really a secret um I've booked them into a summer school for a week in Ireland (laughs) why not why not they'll have a great time they'll they'll have a great time they'll be with other kids um so what we're going to do is we'll have the first week where we're traveling around a bit and I'll hopefully launch the kayak in a couple of different places and then we're going to a place in County Clare where we're going to be staying in a small village the kids are going to go to the local summer school and I'm going to do some more kayaking in different places off the west of Ireland hopefully they're going to be happy um my partner will be happy because he'll be able to have a bit of a break and maybe read the paper or something fresh crab sandwiches and pints of Guinness sound good as well yeah (laughs) oh I mean that's I mean that sounds amazing and I, I know you're doing it with a an adventuring spirit but you've worked out a way to make it fit for the family and obviously yeah. it's a lot of your time you know you've got to prep this um which you know the mental load then comes into it as well as the guilt bit so you know there is a lot but if you want to do it then you just have to don't you is that yeah and yeah. I think um it's also getting the kids a bit involved in it so I, I try yeah. and show them the pictures of where I've been um get yeah. them excited about the kayak I know they'll be really yeah. excited when we go to Dublin and pick it up because yeah. the last time they saw it was in Cornwall um and so I think that they're quite excited about the trip my right. my son Yorenz has got an Irish teacher and so he's really excited about going to Ireland or Ireland as he calls it <laughs> that's because, so good yeah because <laughs> we don't pronounce it correctly um so you know he's he's really Too excited English, about Spanish yeah. you know you're just like oh <laughs> Catalan sorry <laughs> and then when do you hit Scotland and the pinnacle the northeast of England What's so your next? basically my after Ireland we'll come back to Spain get some get warmed up a bit <laughs> and then at the very end of August um, I'm hoping to go to the Hebrides with my aunt Nikki who I, we were talking about earlier and we're going to do a more adventurous kayak I think then doing some wild camping which is uh, allowed in Scotland and um, 
yeah, just seeing what we can do within my skill limits and the weather and all the rest of it. But hopefully that would be kayaking in Malin and Hebrides, which are both in the in the Hebrides area of Scotland. You'd and then be more experienced by then. I know you're saying yeah. it's a harder kayak, but you lived in more of your smaller yeah voyages won't you and yeah I will have done I still I don't think I'll be able to do many kilometers a day but let's see let's see and then then the rest of it will wait until okay. next year so the kayak will uh, have its winter in the lake district I think and mm-hmm. then I'll pick it up uh, sometime probably in spring next year and start doing the east coast of England the idea is to work up east uh northeast coast so it's Tyne Newcastle yeah. Edinburgh um, Aberdeen and then the Shetland Islands and the okay, idea is okay. to finish in July in the Shetland Islands there's a there's a lighthouse called the Muckle Flugger and uh, that's the northern lighthouse Toby saw it when he went on the ferry from uh, the Faroe Islands to Norway and it just feels like a good place to end the whole of this and hopefully it'll coincide with a, a symposium uh, where a lot of kayakers will be around anyway up there which is uh, which would be great because there'll be more people involved and just kind of yeah. a way to finish off Toby's trip in a nice way. So that's July 24 you're kind yeah. of aiming for. I mean, it's, I know you're spreading it out, but it's still, it's a lot, you know, all the in-between and the support people, the, you know, your connections that you're making that with Toby's or new connections that you're making. It's fantastic. It's really inspirational. And I've really loved hearing more about, the detail of it not just the fact that you're finishing the adventure you know and I can I can picture the second book I think it's um yeah I'm all yeah. about actually doing things I think Toby was as well it's easy to say oh I'd quite like to do that or I should do that or, or whatever you know it's it was it would have been easy for me to go look I'm 45 I've got two small kids I don't know how to see kayak I live in another country I'm not going to do this <laughs> yeah. but actually the I'm I guess the fun approach is to go, let's see, let's see what's possible. Yeah. Toby Toby worked within a lot of limitations. And one of the messages I think of the book, although it's not sort of explicit, is that we all have our limitations, don't we? Whether that's kids, whether that's work, whether that's illness, uh, we have limitations. But the question is, what's possible? What can I do within these limitations that is fun, that moves me forward or, or whatever? Yeah. And there was a, a quote in the book. I mean, there was lots of nice bits that I enjoyed in the book, but there was a quote, and I think it's from the RN, I never know how to get the acronyms, R-N-L-I, yeah. the National Lifeboats yes. Institution, in- Institute, any. and it was, with courage, nothing is impossible. Yeah, And I, I noted that down, because I think that's something that had you connected with or Toby had connected with specifically and yeah I think both of us really it's one of the things that they say like they're I don't know if they're using it right now but that was one of their marketing slogans I think was it okay yeah Yeah. well I I I liked it um (laughs) you know at times when you don't feel particularly courageous it's nice to sort of look back on those things isn't it yeah it's interesting. Yeah. It's just made me think that sometimes we think adventuring, you you have to get outside and do these big things. But mm. there's also a book that I'd be interested to write, but I haven't, which is um, the parenting adventure, because mm. 
I think that there are moments when you're parenting and you're just like, oh my God, I'm just stuck. Where's my out? How can I deal with this? And that similar things come up when you're doing an outdoor adventure. So for anyone listening that's thinking, oh, I'm not going to go up to the Shetland Islands in a kayak. You won't catch me doing that. Um, I think it's also about how, how can you introduce a slightly more adventurous approach and sometimes when you're feeling kind of stuck um whether that's because you've got a Saturday where you've just got the kids and they're being awful all day (laughs) and you're just like oh my god I've just spent the whole time shouting at them when I know I shouldn't but I just can't deal with it um it's kind of using that same approach of okay what's possible from here how could this become an adventure in some way or another I don't know Mm. Yeah, and there was also that section in the book where Toby was like in between his adventures and, you know, he I think he'd maybe done like Iceland and Norway and Denmark and then he had to go back to his sort of day job and he yeah. was like, how do you fit adventuring in your normal real life? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was finding like small ways to do it. And then, of course, um, he kind of decided to, you know, fully leave the typical nine to five or architects jobs aren't nine to five yeah <laughs> he left but then he then, then he obviously yeah. came back so he was yeah. only he was there for he, he left for a few months mm-hmm. um I think for most people going on full-time adventure is not something we can really think about no, no. even if even if they don't have kids just yeah. because it's impossible financially yeah. but it is interesting to think about small adventures and that's that's how I'm treating the next stage I'm not treating it as one big adventure but small yeah. ones that I can fit yeah. in and sometimes that's just going out on a Saturday morning and doing some kayak training yeah. um or even just taking the kids to the woods instead of sitting yeah. inside even when it's raining I know that's a better thing to do <laughs> I know and I think that I think that is something that I need to remember as well like, I think definitely that connection with nature even if it's quite simple as you say like going to the woods and not just being like oh goodness there's jobs to do at home oh goodness the the kids just want to play on the iPad or look watch the iPad play on the switch you know like being like come on guys it's gonna be better for all of us yeah let's just get out and do something different or with a bit of fresh air I mean I'm in central London zone too so you know it's not it's not very (laughs) fresh where we are um but you know we went to Whitstable the other weekend and we had a great time and they stayed out later than they would normally stay out but it was like does it matter you know they're like I think there's something great about being able to be on a beach or in a wood and just pick stuff up and go oh what's this you know it's like a stick or a shell or whatever and be able to play with that and I certainly notice if we go out all of us are better like Mm. mentally I'm much better outside just generally than I am inside and the kids are as well just running around doing other stuff I guess I think yeah I think for me as well it's also being away from the reminder of all the domestic yeah. stuff that needs doing. I think for me, I don't. I know it's obviously. Well, that's that's partly why I've got this studio across the road from my house because if I'm in the house, I'm just look at everything that needs tidying up, all of the laundry that needs doing, <laughs> all of these things that have just kind of toys that nobody plays with anymore that are just kind of stacked yeah. up in the corner. Oh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> no, we definitely don't want to see that. <laughs> Enough of my own. Um, <laughs> Oh, well, Katie, it's been so interesting, so inspirational. Um, 
love talking with you. So how can people, obviously I follow you on socials, how can people follow you and tell us more about when the book's coming out and how people can access that? Okay, so the book is out on the 8th of June. It'll be available in all good bookshops and online. Uh, so that's the easy part. You can follow me on Instagram on Moderate Becoming Good Later. On Twitter, it's Kayak Forecast. If you want to follow me personally, it's uh, Katie Anise on Instagram. And my website is www.katieanisecar.com. And Anise is spelt A N I C E. And car Amazing. is with two R's. <laughs> Amazing. So I'll put all those links as well in the in the show notes for the episode so people can click onto those. And um yeah, do grab yourself a copy. It's it's a great book. Um I mean I enjoy reading in general anyhow, but I definitely got something um new and special from this. So I would recommend it. So Katie, thank you once again. Really appreciated you taking the time and I look forward to hearing more about you finishing your mini adventures on the shipping forecast routes and then your adventures in parenting and what you're doing to kind of encourage mums in particular to to take on mini adventures and just see where life um yeah embracing life I suppose and taking on that kind of idea of courage and just getting out there and just doing stuff so thank you thank you it's been brilliant really enjoyed talking to you (laughs) all right take care Katie bye Thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Obviously, connect with Katie. Um, but if you want to connect with me as your host, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at Solutions Mother. And yeah, do subscribe for the podcast for future episodes. Listen back to ones you've missed. And it would be great if you could rate, review and share this episode or any others that you might enjoy. Um, it really helps kind of small, independent podcasters um, reach new audiences. So thank you so much. I am... Um, Take care and here's to some great adventures.